When going along the highways, we drivers should make it our business to watch the road signs. When approached to another problem, the most common tendency is to suggest what possible You're action likely to make someone defensive. Thus, responding is way frequently much as No sugar added, no preservatives. Tuesday, a two-hour movie, going eight. A hilarious comedy. Some more cool weather on the way. Details on Nightcap. The race to be the best, to be the king of the road, goes on and on. The batteries tend to last only a few hours. That's not keeping the buyers away. If only you had more energy. You have to be thrifty nowadays. You work too hard for your money. This weekend, we're opening doors all over the area. Don't you can afford. Good morning again, Journey, week number one of this new series that we're calling Downshift. Uh, the way our sermon series come about around here most of the time, Brian and I are kind of looking out at the horizon of our church and where does it seem like God is leading us and figuring out like what texts, what ideas do we need to bring to our people to move to the place where God is taking us. This series had a little bit different roots to it. I'm going to be really honest right up front. This is coming out of my own personal struggle and weakness. Now, I don't mind talking about my struggles and weaknesses, but I kind of usually like to talk about them after I've figured them out. But this is something that I'm actually kind of walking through real time. Let me give you a little bit of background. I, I've only been the lead pastor of this church for about five years. I never planned on being the lead pastor of a church. And so to be put in that situation, in that opportunity, uh, in the midst of a growing, thriving church created lots of challenges for me. I love the fact that our church is growing, but it does create challenges, new needs, new opportunities. And what was happening in my life is I was, the learning curve was so steep that I was just trying to learn how to do more and more and more. But I kept getting this feeling like I'm behind, I'm behind, I'm behind. And I never felt like I could catch up. I just feel like I've got to work harder. I've got to work longer. I've got to work smarter. And I'm all about hard work. That's the way that my dad raised me. But here's what I started to see was happening in my life. A close friend of mine started to talk about the reality that my emotional fat layer was becoming depleted. And here's what was happening in and around me. I just began to see that I was emotionally and mentally more tired than I had ever been at any other time in my life. And if you know me well at all, you know I'm, I'm a feeler. You know, it doesn't take a lot to make me cry. But I noticed that I was becoming numb. I wasn't feeling things the way I had felt things before. I noticed that it was becoming more difficult for me to metabolize criticism. You might find this hard to believe, but people actually criticize pastors every once in a while. And it's, nobody ever likes it, but I just began to notice that it was more difficult for me to metabolize those things. They were taking more root in my life than they ever had been before. And then I started to watch my life and, and maybe I kind of blamed this a little bit because of the stuff that was going on in COVID, but it was bigger than that. I started to get isolated from people. I started to distance myself more from people. 
And I knew that there was something that was wrong, something that was broken. So I began to talk to mentors and friends, and they said, absolutely, you've got to change some things in your life. This led me to a handful of months ago. I took a day where I just said, Lord, I just want to be with you. I want to try to unpack some of the things that are happening in me. And he led me to a book by a guy named John Mark Comer. He's a pastor in Portland. And this book was called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And as I spent that day devouring most of that book, I came back and I just thought, I have got to share this with our church. Because here's the conclusion that I came to after reading that, is that we are too busy, we're too hurried, we're too worried, we're too distracted as a people. And as I started to talk with other people, I realized it wasn't just me. I'm not alone in this, and I don't share this in any way because I want you to feel sorry for me. Poor me, our pastor, he's he's having a hard time. I believe that this is something that we all need to hear because I think it is killing our spiritual lives. And it's killing our ability to actually become all-in followers of Jesus. There is no way, friends, that we're gonna get to where Jesus wants us to be as individuals and as a spiritual family unless we learn to slow down, downshift. I love how Corey Ten Boom said it. She said, if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. Isn't that true? There is truth in that. Sin and busyness, sin and hurry have the same effect on our lives. They disconnect us from God because we get so distracted by the things of this world, we don't give our attention to God. And we don't give our attention to the people around us that can bring life to us because we're so busy. And friends, we actually get disconnected from our own soul, who we are, when we're not able to give God our attention because it's his voice, him talking to us, that defines who we are. Just like John shared when he led into that song today, it's our identity that we have to hear and we have to hear it from him and we can't hear it if he doesn't have our attention. The famous psychologist Carl Jung had this little saying. He said, hurry is not of the devil. Hurry is the devil. Friends, we can't live our life at warp speed without warping our soul. And here's the deal. If the devil wants to make us distracted and hurt, he's not gonna come at us likely as a serpent and talk to us the way he did with Adam and Eve in the garden. If that happens to you, I definitely wanna hear about it. And he's not gonna be this little cartoon character with little horns and a little pitchfork sitting on your shoulder trying to talk you into something. If hurry is not of the devil, it is the devil, here's how it's gonna come to you because he's gonna try to distract you. He's gonna try to keep you from focusing your life on the most important thing. The devil is gonna come at you with one more activity to do. One more deal that you need to close. One more errand that you need to run. One more notification on your cell phone. One more email response. One more sport for little Johnny. One more podcast to listen to. One more episode of Netflix. Maybe one more season of Netflix. Did you know Netflix, 
The average time it takes a Netflix user to watch an entire series, five days. Millions of people, Netflix reports, watch an entire season in 12 hours in a row. When the CEO of Netflix was asked about all these other streaming opportunities, Amazon Prime and others that were their competition, you know what his response was? I love this. He just shrugged his shoulders and said, our biggest competition is sleep. They know they've got us. They've got our attention. Hurry is not of the devil. It is the devil. Are you too busy? Are you too much in a hurry in life? I mean, did you ever just think about how often when you ask people just that kind of customary question, how you doing? You know, maybe you'll get a fine, but you listen how many times people will say, I'm busy. Because I've been working on this for a handful of weeks, I've listened to how many people have said that to me and how many times I've said that to other people. How are you doing? I'm busy. We are way too busy. And here's what I believe makes hurry and busyness so insidious is because it is the issue that is underneath all of the other issues that we're dealing with, the ones that actually send us into therapy. Things like anxiety, depression, low-grade anger, irritation, frustration, exhaustion, burnout, loneliness, isolations. Those are the things that send us into therapy. But look underneath. We are too busy. That is the issue underneath all the other issues. Psychologists and mental health professionals, they actually have a term for what I'm talking about. They call it hurry sickness. You hear that? They label it as a disease. Here's a working definition of hurry sickness. A malaise in which a person feels chronically short of time and so tends to perform every task faster and gets flustered when encountering any kind of delay. Anybody have a little bit of that? I, I, I'm just standing in a checkout line. And there's a gal in front of me who's talking to the gal that's checking her out. And they're talking about what they're going to do this weekend. A beautiful conversation. I should have reveled in it, excited about their joy, communicating to one another. You know where I was at? It was like, come on, let's get it moving. Take that little bar, move it to the side, start checking my stuff. I want to go out and enjoy my weekend. Just so you know, I stood there kindly like a pastor with a little <laughs> smile. I didn't say a thing, but that's what's in me. That's what's in us in those times. It's always a hurry. And you know what? We as a church, we don't make it any easier for you, do we? We're always talking to you about doing things. Our mission statement is to lead people to become all-in followers of Jesus. And if you were around a month ago, Brian and I talked about how we define all-in. It's surrendering what? Our time, our talent, our treasures, and our plans. Surrendering our time. We don't have enough time is what we think when we're living in this constant state of hurry. The biggest challenge for us accomplishing our mission around here, I promise you, it's time. People don't 
have enough time. We're too busy to live emotionally healthy and spiritually rich lives, in my opinion. Jesus wants your time. But more than that, Jesus wants your attention. He wants you to pay attention to him. But here's the deal. Jesus has lots of competition in the world that we live in. Economists actually have a term for this. They call it the attention economy. Marketers, companies out there, they're doing anything they can, spending billions of dollars to try to grab your attention. Because if they can't grab your attention, they can't get your money. And they want your money. They want your attention because they want your money. And we give them access to our attention all the time. Here's my evidence. Right here. We carry it around with us. It's grabbing our attention all of the time. Did you know that the average iPhone user touches their iPhone 2,617 times a day? If you are under the age of 40, that number is double. The world has our attention. And here's this little irony. I always have my cell phone with me, even when I'm preaching. It's in my back pocket because sometimes people need to communicate to me something that's up front. At nine o'clock, I don't know why this is, nine o'clock on Sunday morning, my phone tells me my usage, my phone usage for the week. So I'm sitting back there. I get a notification. This is my usage for the week. Do you want to know how many hours I spent on my cell phone this last week? None of your business. <laughs> I'm working on it. I'm working on it, I said. But friends, if we just let the world have unfiltered access to our attention, we're giving the enemy easy access to our life. We're making his job way too easy because your attention is one of the scarcest resources that you have, especially as it relates to your spiritual life. You can't connect with God if he does not have your attention. Because attention leads to awareness. Awareness of what? Awareness of God's presence. Awareness of God's nearness to us. He's right there. Oftentimes people say, God feels so far away from me. God hasn't gone anywhere. He's right there. It's like that story of the old couple in the old pickup with the bench seat. He's sitting way over on his side of the seat, driving the car. She's way over on the other side of the car, sitting in her seat. And they pull up behind another old pickup with a bench seat. And there's a young couple in it. And that young couple, they are as close together as they possibly could be, practically sitting in his lap. And the older lady looks over at her husband and she says, remember that? Remember, we used to be like that. What happened to us? Husband just kept his hands on the wheel, said, I haven't moved. <laughs> if God feels distant from us, friends, he hasn't moved. God is omnipresent. He is every place, all the time. But when we sit in our life and we get hurried and busy and worried, 
sucked into our phones and our TVs and our to-do lists and even sometimes our activities for God, God can feel distant from us. We can become completely oblivious to the reality that God is with us. He's in us. He's for us. And he desires closeness and intimacy and relationship infinitely more than you do with him. This whole idea of being hurried and worried and busy, we didn't invent it in the 21st century. I feel like we're trying to perfect it, but we did not invent it. This has been around as long as people have been around. And Jesus addressed this in Matthew chapter 11 when he said to a group of people, I want your attention. Here's what Jesus said, Matthew chapter 11, starting in verse 28. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. A couple things we need to understand. Jesus, the son of God, God in the flesh, but he also came here as a Jewish rabbi. And as a rabbi, he had what they call a yoke. We need to understand what Jesus is talking about here. He wasn't talking about a physical yoke with oxen, but that was a metaphor that the Jewish rabbis had to, how do we interpret the Torah? How do we interpret the law? How do we read it? The idea being, thinking about two oxen with a, a yoke around them, pulling. How do we carry the load of life? That was the answer that Jesus was saying when he was talking about this easy yoke. He was answering the question, how do you carry this load in life? How do you shoulder the weight of life? And this life is heavy. And Jesus addressed so many things. So many things are addressed in the context of the law of Moses. Marriage, divorce, prayer, money, sex, conflict, government. The fact that Jesus had a yoke, a way of thinking about and interpreting the Torah wasn't unique. But what was unique that would have perked up the ears of all the people hearing it is that he said, my yoke is easy. I've got an easy yoke for you. We're gonna come back to that. A second thing that Jesus had, he had a yoke, but he also had followers. Well, oftentimes we call disciples or apprentices. People that were following him in a way that they were trying to organize all of their life around three basic goals. This is what it meant to become all in, even in Jesus' day. I'm gonna be with Jesus. I'm gonna spend time with him. And in the midst of watching him, I'm gonna become like him. I wanna be like him in his character. But lastly, I wanna do what he would do if he were me. That's the easy yoke that Jesus says. This is the life that he promises from Matthew chapter 11. But here's what we need to understand. If we want to have this life that Jesus is talking about, this incredible life, life to the full, oftentimes he called it the abundant life, we've got to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. If we want the life of Jesus, we've gotta have the lifestyle of Jesus. He said it another way. 
in John 14, 6. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If we want to have this life, there's a couple things that we need to engage in. One, Jesus talks about the truth. The truth is so important. What is true about God? What is true about us? What is true about how we're to relate to one another? We've got to know the truth. Theology is important. I've given years of my life to try to understand and engage with good theology. It's imperative. But I will tell you this, perfect, even perfect theology is not going to create the life of Jesus in you. You can know all the right things because Jesus says, I am the way. I'm the path. There's a way that you have to walk out life with me if you're gonna experience life. If we want the life of Jesus, we've got to engage in his lifestyle. And when I say lifestyle, what I'm talking about is the rhythms and routines that make your day. How do you spend your time? How do you spend your money? How do you spend your attention? Those are the things that create the life of Jesus in us. But Jesus says, my yoke, it's easy. It's easy to put on. And now for me, when I, when I read this and he's talking about a yoke in this context for people that are weary and they're hurried and they're worried, it just seems like a crazy metaphor to use. Because a yoke, it's, it's for farming. It is a work instrument. When I'm tired and weary, I don't want a work instrument. Give me a hammock and a hot tub. That's what I need when I'm weary and tired. But Jesus wants us to have a picture of what does it look like to be yoked together with him. In his first century audience, they would know, based on their culture, what it meant to be yoked together. Because this is how they would train young oxen. They would take an older, wiser oxen that knows how to pace themselves throughout a day so that they're able to work the full day. A young oxen, you know what they think? They just have all this energy and they run out. They go too fast. They're not able to sustain. So it's the old oxen plodding that teaches the young oxen how to carry the load. And that's what Jesus is trying to tell those disciples and he's trying to tell us today as his disciples. This is how you carry the load. My load, you carry slow. You've got to learn to carry the load slow. And let's be honest, life is a load, isn't it? I mean, it is an emotional load. It is a mental load. Load. Sometimes it's even a physical load. And by all means, if we're trying to battle in the spiritual world, it is a spiritual load. The idea of an easy life, that is absolutely a myth. This life is hard no matter how you slice it. It is difficult. Pain and suffering, difficulty does not escape any of us. And that's why her world is just so Brought with addictions, drugs, alcohol, sex, porn, shopping, eating, dieting, 
working, all of those things, trying to escape the load of this life. But Jesus says, take my yoke. My yoke is easy, but here's what we have to hear today and throughout this entire series. The yoke of Jesus is slow. The yoke of Jesus is slow. We don't do slow very well, do we, in our culture? But if you just take a little bit of time, open up your Bible and look at the life of Jesus as portrayed in the Gospels, you're gonna see someone who lived life not in a hurry. Jesus wasn't rushing around, frustrated, irritated. Jesus was not in a hurry. He wasn't worried. He wasn't hurried. He wasn't busy. And in fact, if you look at a lot of the ministry, a lot of the messages that Jesus did, they were a response to interruptions of his life. Things that just came along, but he had margin for them. He had margin to love the people that came into his life because he wasn't in a hurry. Interruptions. I love how C.S. Lewis said it. He says, how you respond to interruptions in life is who you really are. How do you respond to interruptions? Are you able to engage? Are you able to love? Are you just thinking, I've got to get this over with so I can move on to my to-do list, my checkboxes? Jesus slowed down because he wanted to love people. And hurry and love are incompatible. And this easy yoke of Jesus, when he was questioned one time about his yoke by other religious leaders, when he was asked, what is the most important laws in the law of Moses? And he says, it's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Love God. That's what you invest your time, talent, treasure, and plans in. And he said, the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. God and people. Love God, love people. But here's what we've got to understand today and throughout this series is that with Jesus, slow, slow is the speed of love. Slow is the speed of love. Think about relationships that you have. What does it take to let people know that you love them, that you care for them? Can you do that when you're in a hurry? You can't because to make people feel loved, they need to be seen. They need to be known. They need to be engaged with, with compassion. They need to be listened to. They needed to be understood. And we can't do those things when we're in a hurry. With Jesus, slow is the speed of love. If we're gonna love God and we're gonna love people, we've got to slow down our life because hurry and love are incompatible. And I can just imagine that there are some people out there, as I'm talking about this idea of slowing down their life, you're just thinking, bald man, that's just crazy talk. That's not what I need. I don't need to learn how to slow down my life. I need you to teach me how to be more efficient. I need you to teach me how to live this life at a faster pace. I need shortcuts. I need life hacks. That's what I need. 
because I need to get more done in the time that I have. No, you don't. Many of you are just thinking, if I just had more time, I could accomplish it. It's not true. The answer to the problem that we're talking about here is not more time because even if you had more time, you know what you would do? You would fill it up with other things. I'm not even saying bad things. They would probably be awesome things, but you would still be just as busy as you ever were. Here is the solution. You've got to come to the place where you realize you have limits. Even Jesus in his humanity had limits. Hear this. You can't do it all. You just can't. None of us can. You can't do it all. But here's what is the answer. You need to slow down and simplify your life in a way that it is organized around things that really matter. That really matter for this life and really matter for eternity. Because you are making choices all the time. Life is just a series of choices. And every time you say yes to one thing, You're saying no to a thousand other things. What is it that you should say yes to? When you say yes to this activity, there's a thousand other activities that you're not able to do. What do you say yes to? And even more importantly, what do you say no to? Friends, we've got to learn to say no. No is a complete sentence. I looked it up. And we need to say it a lot. We've got to learn to say no. But I also know that in the back of your mind, whether you believe me or not, whether you think that this thesis is even correct, I need to acknowledge with you that what I'm talking about is not easy. Trying to adjust our lives, simplify and slow our lives down, it is not easy. To try to live an unhurried life, it might even be scary for some of us. And I believe this is true. If you choose to do it, it is going to take an act of faith. You're going to have to trust God that he can fill in the gaps. But the reason I'm talking about it, as scary as it might be, as unorthodox as it might seem, I believe that there are true riches that we're gonna find with Jesus on the other side if we're willing to slow down. Because I don't think the great danger, like I'm not sitting up here thinking like, if people don't slow down, they're just gonna renounce their faith. They're gonna walk away from Jesus. I don't think that's true because who we are in Jesus is not rooted in what we do or how we manage our schedule. It is rooted in the cross of Christ. What Jesus has done for us, us putting our trust and our hope in him. It's about what he's done for us, not what we do for him. That is the bedrock of our faith. I don't think that we're gonna renounce that, but here's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid for me, I'm afraid for us, that on some level we will settle for some kind of milk toast, mediocre, watered down version of this life that Jesus wants us to have, this faith that he wants us to have. And I'm not willing to do that for me and I'm not willing to do that with the people that I love in my spiritual family. Here's my ask of you. 
I just want you to engage in this series with us. My, my hope today was just to try to create a compelling case that we've got to do something to change where we're at, to grow in the life that Jesus wants for us, to take on the yoke of Jesus. Engage in this series with us because we're gonna get really, really practical in the coming weeks. How do we actually do this? But there's a question that I think you need to ask before you'll ever engage in anything that we talk about. You've got to ask the honest question, is my life too busy? Is my life too busy to give God the attention that he wants, the attention, quite honestly, that he deserves? Is my life too busy? Because until we say yes to that, we're not going to take the medicine. We're not going to take the medicine to help us with busyness and hurry and worry. Over these next handful of weeks, Brian and I are gonna be talking with you on what does it look like to slow our life down? What does simplicity look like? How do we engage in silence and solitude? How do we engage in a Sabbath? One of the 10 commandments, by the way, how do we engage practically in Sabbath to give God our full attention? I wanna commend to you the book the Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. It's forming a lot of what Brian and I are talking about as we're trying to process and grow in these own things in our own life. But here's what we're gonna do. Because to follow Jesus means that we actually have to build his life into ours. We have to build his life into our schedule. Some practices, some rhythms, some routines, some things that we actually do. And I'm afraid that there might be some people that right now are just saying, you know, I think you might be right, but you don't understand my situation. Every one of us has our situation and we've got the best excuse. And they might be great excuses. I would, but I'm in grad school. You don't understand, Bob. I don't work just one day a week like you do as a pastor. I've got a demanding job. I have little kids. I'm a single mom. I'm training for a marathon. I haven't gotten my elk yet. All the, th Brian looked up. <laughs> That's his excuse right there. Friends, what we have to do, we've got to lay down our excuses. And maybe just honestly ask the question, am I too busy to truly follow Jesus? I want you to ask that honest question. You're not gonna have to ever give an answer to me. But friends, one day, every one of us is gonna stand eye to eye with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I want us to honestly answer that question and maybe just tell him then, I was too busy to follow you. Is that the answer we wanna give? I don't think it is. But if we want to give a different answer, if we want to experience the life that Jesus wants for us. We've got to slow down. We've got to down shift. Because with Jesus, slow is the speed of love. Let's pray. Jesus, I just want to say, 
without hesitation or without reservation. You deserve my full attention, our full attention. Our lives belong to you. Jesus, I know that the only reason that I have breath in my lungs to say the things that I'm saying right now is because you give them to me. You give me those breaths. Jesus, you deserve my attention. And Jesus, I wanna pray over my life. I wanna pray over my friends in this room, all of our friends and family that are watching online, all a part of our journey family. We want to give our attention to you you and you alone are deserving. Jesus, we trust you. We trust you, even if it's scary, even if it's difficult, we wanna do whatever it takes to slow down, to become an all-in follower of you. And Jesus, it's in your powerful name that we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this time has allowed you to dig out more of who God has made you to be. If you made some kind of spiritual decision today and are interested in what's next, we'd love to connect with you. For more information or to get in touch, please visit journeyweb.net. If you're interested in supporting our ministry, you can give online at journeyweb.net slash give. Thanks.